So we're in, in Psalm 119, and tonight we're going to begin reading in verse number 33. And if you've reached Psalm 119, if you would stand for the reading of the Scripture tonight, uh, out of reverence for the Word of God, I'd encourage you to do that if you can. Let's uh, begin reading in verse 33, and we'll read on down through verse 40 tonight. The psalmist here says, Teach me, O Lord, the way of thy statutes, and I shall keep it unto the end. Give me understanding, and I shall keep thy law. Yea, I shall observe it with my whole heart. Make me to go in the path of thy commandments, for therein do I delight. Incline my heart unto thy testimonies, and not to covetousness. Turn away mine eyes from beholding vanity, and quicken thou me in thy way. Establish thy word unto thy servant, who is devoted to thy fear. Turn away my reproach, which I fear, for thy judgments are good. Behold, I have longed after thy precepts. Quicken me in thy righteousness. Let's pray together. Father, as we open your word tonight, we recognize that we need your help. Lord, we need help to understand the things that are here. I need your help to be able to rightly divide your word, but also to be able to preach it to your people in, in a way that's understandable. And uh, Lord, we need your help. We need your spirit to take these truths and drive them deep within our hearts and help us to live these things out. And so, Lord, we just commit this to you tonight and ask that you would guide in Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. This particular section of Psalm 119 is, is interesting in that it really highlights the relationship aspect of our walk with God. What I mean by that is within this, uh, these few short verses that we read, we, we find uh, words of, of, of the psalmist asking the Lord to do something for him in relation to the word of God. In other words, he, he has talked about the importance of God's word and his desire to obey God's word. But this section, if you notice, look at verse number 33, teach me, he says. Verse 34, give me understanding. Verse 35, make me to go in the path of thy commandments. 36, incline my heart. Uh, verse 37, turn away mine eyes. Verse 38, establish thy word. Verse 39, turn away my reproach. Verse 40, uh, he just is expressing his desire, but then he says at the end of the verse, quicken me according to thy righteousness. So in every one of these verses, he is making requests to the Lord, saying, Lord, I need your help in order to understand your word, apply your word, do your word, in, in my life. And I think that's really important because as we've said before, uh, our walk with God is really not just a set of rules or actions that God expects for us to do. It's not like a checklist that we just say, okay, I'm going to do this and, and do this and now I have pleased God. But it really is an interaction. It's a, it's a relationship that we have with God and we need God's help. When we come to the word of God, we need his help. Every day when you open this book, and I hope you open it every day, I hope that this is something that you find yourself reading and studying and, and growing in, but you need to understand that you are not going to grow close to God simply by checking off on your 
uh, Bible reading schedule saying, I did this today. Uh, you, you need God's help. You need him to illuminate you and, and give you understanding. And this particular section of this psalm really highlights that. It's, it's this understanding that this is a relationship. It requires interaction between God and us. And just like any relationship, it does require interaction. You know, I, uh, I often uh, will use uh, the marriage relationship as an example uh, in our relationship to God. And there's a reason for that. According to Ephesians 5, uh, the, the marriage relationship pictures the relationship between Christ and the church. And, and so there is some parallel there between the relationships. But think about your relationship between a husband and a wife. If, if you said, you know, I, uh, uh, I want to have a good relationship, man. I want to have a good relationship with my wife. So what I'm going to do is every morning I'm going to get up. And I am going to talk to her straight for 10 minutes. I'm going to tell her everything that I want from her in 10 minutes. And then what I'm going to tell her to do is when I get home from work, I want her to write down everything she wants me to know for that day, and I'm going to read that. Every day, I'm going to talk to her for 10 minutes, and I'm going to read a letter from her at the end of my workday. That's our relationship. How long do you think a marriage like that would last? Probably not very long. I have a feeling my wife probably wouldn't write me the letter. I would know everything I needed to know from the look on her face. Sometimes silence speaks louder than words, doesn't it? Men? It doesn't work that way. A relationship requires interaction. Now the difference is, in our relationship with other people, it's kind of this concept of, of give and take, and I don't mean, you know, 50-50, we understand we're, we're all in, but what I mean by that is, in order for me to have a relationship with you, you have to be committed to it, and I have to be committed to it. The difference is, with our relationship with God, really, he's the one that's carrying the relationship. <laughs> I mean, it was him that initiated it, and it's him that and that helps us through it. And, but, but our success in our relationship with God is really dependent only on one thing as far as we're concerned, and that's simply submitting to him and letting him lead, letting him keep things the way that they ought to be in our relationship. Well, here in this passage of Scripture, we find that the psalmist is really recognizing that and emphasizing his need for God in order to do what he knows God wants him to do, and ultimately what he wants to do. And I want to just bring out a few aspects of this with you tonight. First of all, I want to show you his commitment, the psalmist's commitment to heed God's word. His commitment to heed. Look at verse number 33. He says, Teach me, O Lord, the way of thy statutes, and I shall keep it unto the end. Verse 34, Give me understanding, and... I shall keep thy law, yea, I shall observe it with my whole heart. Verse 35, make me to go in the path of thy commandments, for therein do I delight. Look at verse 38. He says, establish uh, thy word unto thy servant who is devoted to thy fear. What is he saying? The psalmist here is saying, uh, God, I want to do the things that are pleasing to you. I am committed to obey you and to serve you. This really ought to be the, the heart of every Christian. 
Lord, I want to do the things that are pleasing to you. I want to keep your word. I want to walk in your will. I, I, I want to be able to say, like the, uh, like the psalmist said here in verse number 38, that I am the servant of the Lord who is devoted to his fear. Isn't that an interesting statement? I am committed to living in the fear of God. I'm committed to being submitted to him as my Lord. He is Lord of my life. That's really what the psalmist is saying. I want you to be Lord of my life. Folks, the truth is that every child of God should have this heart. If you don't have that heart, something is wrong. It is normal and natural for a child of God to want to do the will of God. It is a fruit of salvation, a desire to do the will of God. Just a little side note here tonight. Isn't it interesting that Jesus in Matthew chapter 7, when he spoke of those people that would stand before him in judgment and, and would, would call him Lord but would not be saved, he said that not everyone that saith to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But this is what he said, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. That's an interesting statement. That's a statement that if you misread that, you might even think that Jesus was teaching a work salvation. In other words, in order to go to heaven, you must be saved and do the will of God. And if you don't do the will of God, then you haven't completed your salvation. That's how a lot of people think of that. But I want you to think of it this way, and I, I believe the biblical understanding of that is this. If you are genuinely saved, you will do the will of God. It is the fruit, it's the evidence of salvation. Now, just, be, just calling him Lord doesn't make it so. If you are saved, he is Lord of your life. And by the way, if he is Lord, that means that you are doing the will of your Father. The, the, uh, in, in Psalm chapter 40, we won't take time to go there, but it makes this, the psalmist makes this statement, I delight to do thy will, O my God. Yea, thy law is in my heart. That is the heart of a genuinely saved person. Lord, I want to do your will. I'm delighting to do your will. I desire to obey you. And I just want to say to you tonight that if you do not have any, any desire in your heart to, to, to obey the Lord, to please the Lord, to do his will in your life, you need to check your heart because something is not right. The only way... That you can, the only way that someone could be saved and, and not be at least desiring to do the will of God in their life is that they have believed a different gospel, that they have a different Christ, or they're reading a different Bible. Because my Bible teaches me not that my good works or my obedience to God saves me, but that my salvation gives me a heart that wants to please God. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Galatians 5, 24. They that are Christ's have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. In other words, if you are Christ's, something has changed in your heart. And the thing that has changed is your desire to obey and please God. This is consistent with the heart of a saved individual. A desire to do the will of God. This is what he's saying. I'm committed, Lord, to obeying you. How many of us 
have told the Lord something like that before. Lord, I will obey you. I will submit to you. I will follow your will for my life. I would venture to say probably most of us at some point in our lives have knelt at an altar like this one and committed to the Lord, Lord, I'll do what you want me to do. I'll surrender what you want me to surrender and I will obey you. And if you haven't done that, friend, you ought to do that. Is he the Lord of your life or not? If he is Lord, that's the only, that's the only response that even makes sense. Lord means master. And so we ought to do that. However, let's be real honest. With that desire that we have even made that commitment, Lord, I will do your will, how often do we find ourselves failing to do the will of God? How often do we find ourselves struggling to obey the word of God? How many times, Christian friend, have you knelt at an altar or knelt by your bedside and talked to the Lord that he's gotten a hold of your heart and convicted you on something and you gave him something? You said, Lord, I, I, I'm giving this over to you. I don't want to live like this anymore. I want to be obedient to you. And yet you find yourself praying that same prayer over that same issue again and again. Or am I the only one? We struggle, don't we? We do not always do the things that please the Lord. In fact, the only one that was ever able to perfectly please the Father was Jesus. I'm thankful that his righteousness is now on my account. But I want to live a life that's pleasing to the Lord. And yet I find myself, if I'm not careful, on a daily basis... Yielding and submitting to my will instead of his will. Placing higher priority on the things that I want instead of what he wants. And though that is not the desire of my heart, it is often the reality of my life. And so the psalmist here, in his commitment to serve the Lord, wisely recognizes that it is not him who has the ability to maintain the will of God and do the will of God in his own strength. Because with every one of these commitments that he makes, where he says, I will obey you, I will heed your word, with every commitment, there is also a request that says, Lord, I need your help. I want to do this. I want to do the things that that you want me to do, but Lord, I need your help. Look at verse 33. Teach me, O Lord, the way of thy statutes, and I shall keep it unto the end. In other words, the, the uh, ability to keep the word of God is conditional upon the previous request that the Lord would teach him the truth. Look at verse 34. Give me understanding, and I shall keep thy law. Yea, I shall observe it with my whole heart. Lord, I need your help. But not only to understand in the sense of, Lord, I, I need you to give me clarity. I need you to give me understanding of what you want me to do. Because so often our issue, our problem is not that we don't know what God wants from us. It's that we don't do what we know we ought to do. So often we know what we ought to do. But we don't do it. 
And so he says in verse 35, look at this. Make me to go in the path of thy commandments. I love that prayer. I think I ought to pray that prayer every day. Lord, make me to go in the path of thy commandments. Today, direct my steps to be obedient toward you. Why? Because my heart is there. This is what I desire. But I need you to help me actually follow through with that. I need you to help me obey you. Hold your place here in Psalm 119, but go with me over to the book of Romans, if you would. Romans 7. And this is a fairly famous chapter uh, in the Bible, especially uh, among saved people, of course, and, and uh, just our struggle that we face. As Paul is talking about uh, that which he desires to do, what he would do, versus what he finds himself doing. And there's a fairly lengthy portion of Scripture dedicated to that right here. But I want you to notice in verse number 18 of Romans 7, look what he says, For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, in parentheses, I'm not talking about my whole being, but I'm talking about the unsaved part of me, which is my flesh. When you got saved, your flesh didn't get saved. Okay, your spirit did. But that old, na that old nature, that old man is still with you. Until, until death do you part, okay? For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. Look at this. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. I know what I should do, but sometimes, Lord, I don't know how to do that. Have you ever felt that way? Lord, I know what I ought to do, and I even want to do what I ought to do. But there's a part of me that wonders if I can do what I ought to do, because I so often find myself failing. Because there's a difference between knowing and doing. The heart is there. But we also find... That with that heart that's there and desires to do that which is right, there is also some resistance to that. I like what he says, if you're still in Romans 7, verse 21. He says, I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. Notice he doesn't say, I, I found a, a pattern that usually holds true. He says, I found a, a law. A law is something... That's unbroken. When you, when you look in, in the Bible at the, the laws that God has set in place. The, the law of sowing and reaping, right? Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. That's a law of God. It, it, is, it will come to pass. Isn't it interesting that Paul says, When I would do good, evil is present with me. Just about the time I am trying to do that which I know would please the Lord, my flesh gets in the way. The enemy, Satan, comes along and brings a temptation there that would get in the way of what God wants me to do. Don't tell me that you've never 
been at a point that you went to pick up your Bible and read it or to kneel down and pray and talk to the Lord and the phone rang or someone came and knocked on the door or one of the kids came and said, I need your help with this or with that and we find distractions coming. When I, when I would do good, evil is present with me. Evil being anything that would get in the way of me doing that which I know I ought to do. I'm trying to do things that are pleasing the Lord, keep my heart right, keep my mind on the right thing. And something comes before my eyes or enters into my ear that immediately sets my thoughts thinking on things that they ought not be. I find that every time I try to do that which is right, there is an opportunity to do wrong. And let's be honest, sometimes the desire to do wrong in that moment overrides the desire to do right. And Paul's statement was, O wretched man that I am. Who shall deliver me from the body of this death? And so here in Psalm 119, the psalmist is crying out to God, Lord, I want to do that which is right, but you need to help me. You need to make me go in the path of thy commandments. You need to direct me, for therein do I delight. I love what he says in verse 34, Give me understanding and I shall keep thy law. Yea, I shall observe it with my whole heart. Lord, I want to be able to obey you with every bit of me, with my whole heart. I don't want to have a divided heart. I don't want to have a divided focus. I don't want to try to serve God and mammon. I want to be fully committed to you. I want to serve you with my whole heart, but Lord, I need your help. Look at verse 37. He said, turn away mine eyes from beholding vanity... And quicken thou me in thy way. Quicken thou me. The word quicken means to bring to life or to bring back to life. It literally means to resuscitate. I think that's such an interesting and vivid picture. When I think of someone being resuscitated, I think of someone who's unconscious, they're not breathing, and, and someone is performing CPR on them, trying to literally take someone who is, is dead or dying and bring them back to a state of life to resuscitate them. Here's what David is saying here. Lord, I need you to quicken me, to resuscitate me, to bring me back to life. Why? Because I can start my day or my week fresh, with a new desire, maybe, maybe after a, a great day in the Lord's house, Sunday, I got up Monday morning and I said, Lord, this, this week I just want to do what's right in your eyes. I want to walk with you. I want to walk in your spirit. I want to be pleasing to you. And then I went to work and on my way to work I, I got uh, cut off in traffic and, and then I, I was late. And, I, and so in, in my, in my uh, lateness I decided I was going to speed a little bit and I got a speeding ticket and then I got to work and I got yelled at by the boss and I got home and things weren't good at home and, and, and pretty soon we, we find that things just aren't going the way we think they should and, and, and life gets in the way and we find ourselves distracted by other things and you know what happens we can start out like we're alive and by the end of a day or by the end of a week it's like we're spiritually dead and even the desire is gone Tell me I'm not the only one. 
And what do we need? Lord, resuscitate me. Breathe your life back into me. Get, set my focus right again because, Lord, I need your help. What I love about this, uh, this psalm, one of the many things that I love about this is this is an Old Testament saint who is expressing spiritual struggles that are so relevant to New Testament Christians today. He was experiencing the same thing that I do and that you do. Lord, I need your help. The, the, the New Testament con concept of being quickened, not in a, in a, in a salvific sense, I'm not being saved again, but, but being quickened or renewed is, is this concept of, of being renewed. You find that word renew or renewed or renewing in the New Testament frequently, don't you? Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I'm going to give you a truth that you've probably never considered before. This is really deep. Write it down. The word renew, it means to make new again. Ever thought about that before? I'm being sarcastic. Okay. Renew. To make new again. You know what happens at salvation? You're given a new mind. And a new heart. You're given a new life. And then as you walk through this world. And you become tainted. By the sin and the garbage. And all the stuff and the discouragement. You know what happens? You, you come to a place you need to be renewed. <laughs> you need to put on a new mind again. You need to receive a new heart again. Again, not in a, in a salvation sense, but in that sense of being quickened. Lord, I need you to give me life again. Give me a zeal again. Give me the right focus again. Set my heart on right things. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind, according to Ephesians chapter 4. This is what we need. We need to be quickened. We need to be renewed. Lord, I need your help. Today, tomorrow, the next day, help me to be continually renewed by your word, by your truth, by your spirit. Help me to be focused on the right things. We see his commitment to heed and we see his call for help. But thirdly, I want to show you his desire for a changed heart. Look what he says in verse 36. Incline my heart unto thy testimonies. Sometimes I think we read through the Bible, and be, especially the, the poetic books of the Bible, and because we don't really use language like they used to, we maybe miss the point of what they're really saying. Incline my heart. You know what he's saying? Lord, give me the right desires. Set my heart in the right direction. Now, he's already said that he delights in the law of God, that he wants to do the will of God. So what's he talking about here? Well, he's talking about what we all understand. Lord, I do want to please you, but would you give me a desire to please you? You, you understand that? Lord, I... There's part of me, that the, the spirit of me, that, that part of me that is the new man wants to do what is right and what is pleasing in your sight. 
but I find myself desiring wrong things. I find myself coveting after things that are appealing and pleasing to my flesh rather than that which I know you want for me. We find ourselves, look what he said in verse 37, turn away mine eyes from beholding vanity. He's, he's, verse 36, incline my heart unto thy testimonies and not to covetousness. Lord, help me not to long for the things of this world, but to long for right things, for your ways, for your word. Turn away mine eyes from beholding vanity, vanity being emptiness, things that aren't going to last, things that are, that are, that, that are just fleeting. How many of us have ever... It's a foolish question even. Because we all know that our heart is so quickly turned away to trying to find satisfaction and fulfillment in temporal things of the world. One minute we, we think that our heart's greatest desire is to know the Lord and serve the Lord and and be fully yielded to him because we know that's really where true joy comes from. And then it, it seems like just a moment passes and we find ourselves pursuing after things of the world. Money, materialistic things, entertainment and self-fulfillment and enjoyment. And we, we try and find our happiness in the wrong things. Why do we do that? The psalmist is saying here, Lord, I need you to change my heart. Give me different desires. Take away from me the, the propensity to, to, to go out of your will and, and follow after the things of this world. Because I know that that is what is right and what's best. And ultimately that's what I desire, even though sometimes my Fleshly desires don't always align with what my spiritual desires are and should be. Proverbs 30 and verse number 8. The Bible says here, remove from me, remove far from me vanity and lies. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with food convenient for me. And verse 9 says, lest I be full and deny thee. And say, who is the Lord, or lest I be poor and steal, and take the name of my God in vain. What's he saying? Lord, just, just meet my needs to such a degree that I don't even worry about the things of this world anymore. Because I want my attention, my heart, to be fixed on you and serving you. I don't want my heart to go out of the way of your word or your will Verse 38, he says this, establish thy word unto thy servant who is devoted to thy fear. The word establish, it means to fix or to settle in a state of permanence. I love that. Lord, permanently plant your word in my heart. Help me by changing my heart 
so that I don't go after the things of the world, but I go after you. That my hunger, my desires, my, the, the thing that I would seek after would be your word and your will in my life. Folks, I think that ought to be the heart of every Christian. Lord, would you keep my heart where it belongs? You know, Jesus told us to pray that way. When his disciples asked him, they said, teach us to pray. And then he gave them that model prayer, when ye pray, say. What did he say? Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Lead us not into temptation. Don't, don't allow me to be in a place where I'm tempted to turn aside from your best. Now, there is a recognition in this. Lord, I need your help. This has to be a work of God in my heart. But if we truly desire and want God to do this for us, don't you think that there might be some decisions that need to be made in our lives to keep us from wandering out of the will of God? There might be some things that we know are in our lives that have a tendency to pull us away, to pull our heart away. These would be things that we would know as idols. When Paul said, I believe it was Paul, you can argue with me if you want. But in Hebrews chapter 12, We're to run the race with patience, but it says, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us. We have a pretty easy time identifying sin, and we don't have a big problem addressing that issue. But the issue that we do struggle with sometimes is addressing the weights. Those things that maybe aren't sin in and of themselves, things that aren't wrong. You know, the things that I can't look at you and say, this needs, you need to get this out of your life. But the things that I can look in the mirror and say, you know what, this is not good for me. Because this has a tendency to turn my heart away from the Lord. That's a weight that needs to go. If our heart is like, like the psalmist here, Lord, I, I want to know you, and I want to know your word, but these, I, I need your help to keep my focus where it belongs. I need you to change my heart, renew me, help me, guide me, make me to go in your way. Then our desire ought to also be, Lord, whatever there is in my life that pulls me away from you. I'm willing to let go. Willing to die to that thing that maybe is a little too important to me. Because we need God's help in order to please Him. Let's pray.